Hello, truthers and conspiracy junkies, to another episode of White Rabbit. I am your host, Catalyst Jones. Y'all know what the fuck it is. I'm always bringing the heat, and it's not going to stop today. I got the motherfucking reality czars in the house. My boy, Paranoid America, and Nate has joined first time on this motherfucker. What is up, gentlemen? What up, man? I feel like it's long overdue. It's been way long overdue. Uh, We've been rubbing elbows so many fucking times, and I've been on your show. So welcome. We finally made this happen. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. So for my listeners that live under a rock and don't know who you are, why don't you guys break it down? We'll start with you, Nate, and uh, tell us who you are and what it is that you do. All right. I'm a fucking beaner that likes to talk about cryptids and question reality. Uh, I'm also an anarchist, and uh, my show is called The Reality Czars. Thomas is my fucking co-host. We got another co-host that kind of shows up maybe, I don't know, no, sometimes. And uh, our show is fucking wild and stupid, and we fucking will say horrible things sometimes, and sometimes we'll have, like, intelligent, Hopefully, articulate guests on, and we'll have, like, a serious episode, and then we'll be talking about, I don't know, like, Sasquatch's, like, sweet pussy and her interdimensional juices or something. <laughs> like, we'll, we'll go, we fucking go hard. So if your listeners have a, uh, I don't know, uh, we're not everybody, but you love us, you love us, and we love you too. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. <laughs> no, I love your guys' show. I, I every single time I get a notification that you guys have a new episode out, I immediately press play. Um, you guys have on great fucking guests, and we talk about the same kind of shit. So I'm like, why the fuck not? So. Hell yeah, man. Your show has definitely made an impact in this movement, and uh, salute you, brother. Thomas, a.k.a. the Paranoid American, also... Thank you for inviting us. We're excited to be here. Fuck yeah, man. Thomas, why don't you... Why don't you tell us... Yeah, man. So I've been co-hosting Reality Zars with Nate for, I don't know, like, like, it feels like the last six months, maybe a little bit more, maybe a little bit less. And uh, before that, and currently, I've been owning and operating ParanoidAmerican.com, which is, as far as I'm aware, the only conspiracy-themed comic book publisher in existence. Yeah, man, and that is fucking dope. And the first time I heard that, I don't remember, it, it was over a year ago, I was listening to somebody's podcast, and they were like talking about how you had podcasts, uh, like some of these truther podcasters, as superheroes and shit. Might have yeah, been yeah, yeah. 
This is the the chosen one with uh Juan and it's got Mark Steves in it and it's got uh one of their old uh co-hosts that used to run um Illuminati Confirmed I think was the name of the show. And the idea was that these podcasters discovered that there was a secret society in order to get into like, you know, into Joe Rogan's studio essentially. You had to join the secret society and you were only invited after you get like a certain number of likes. You got to get like 100,000 followers and you get this special invite that comes from outer space it's, it's super dope uh yeah it's called the chosen one i fucking want that dude <laughs> that is so awesome so so we got uh not only do you do comics but um i saw a video that you had put together recently and i was like yo did you do that and you were like yeah yeah it was, you like kind of just brushed it off like it was nothing and i was like uh so dreamworks would have came in their pants for that kind of editing so I appreciate that. I mean, yeah, so so on reality ours, I get to be the the resident ex-military, Freemason, and ex-Disney animator. So I get to bring a, a little bit of that like New World Order knowledge into everything that we do. So I, yeah, I spent 10 years at Disney, and that was basically just living in After Effects day in, day out, and 3D software. But for the last, man, for the last three years, I've been going hard at the AI, just trying to keep on top of every new sort of advancement, all the new video techniques. Uh, Cause I just, uh, I love it so much. Um, like I, I like working in it that I just don't want to fall so far behind that, you know, you're just overwhelmed with how to keep up. So I've been doing my best for the last few years to stay ahead of that curve. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people are saying that AI is going to take over my job because I'm a graphic designer and uh, I, I uh, made a meme. I don't know if you guys had seen it recently, but it, I made a meme and I said, in order for AI to take over a graphic designer's jobs, clients are going to have to be able to accurately explain what they want. I said, we're right. Stiff. And that, and that doesn't happen. If anything, they have to hire like a prompter and then the prompter knows how to speak in the right language to talk to the AI person. But that's just an art director, you know? Well, AI is, is, well, I don't know what they actually have that, they haven't rolled out to us yet, but we've all seen they can't get human hands right. Um, and they can. I, no, they definitely can, man. But so, so a lot of the times when people um, have criticism on AI, it's usually about the the base model of what they call stable diffusion 1.5, and this is the one that's the most general purpose. And the reason why it looks so bad is because it's it's like kind of really good at everything. But you can also have models that are just trained to be as incredibly realistic as possible. That don't know anything about cartoons or cars and just know about humans. And then they have, ex, you know, extra little like modifications. One's called control net and control net has something called open pose and open hand. So now as you want to, you know, send in a prompt, you can also provide like a stick figure esque drawing, like literally just draw a little stick figure and then as long as you've got little sticks that represent each hand and you're using this open hand, it'll make sure that it looks perfect. And not only can the hands look perfect, but if you draw all jacked up, like in a way that a hand couldn't grow, it'll make the most realistic version of that weird janky hand possible. So like like if you just try to spit something out of mid-journey, if you just go to like some online website, yeah, you're definitely going to get janky hands. But if you know how to like model your own stuff and, and feed in the tools, you can get it to look absolutely real from any perspective. All right. Well, you're not allowed on my show anymore because you just <laughs> basically, I, I was going to bed every night perfectly fine thinking that my job was safe. So 
<laughs> it's I honestly it's still safe for the exact same reason that you just mentioned. Well, I, I hope so. Um, the the only reason I bring it up too is because you know there has been multiple people coming to me is like AI is gonna fuck you up and and you know like I'm like yo I specialize well I my job right now is I design wraps for like uh, big commercial trucks and shit like that so like if you see like a Coca Cola truck going down the street chances are I might have designed what you just looked at but um like with with Shit, where was I going to go with that? I should never fucking smoke right before I get on. <laughs> well, it, it's funny you, you say that because I've actually seen rap AI. Shit out of you. <laughs> what did you oh, say? I've... I said that you just said that Thomas Black killed the fuck out of you. And Thomas <laughs> yeah, would do man. that to you. <laughs> it, it, it fucking sucks, man, because I, I was going to bed every fucking night. Uh, perfectly cool. But no, uh, one thing that I did do is I specialize in logos um, for my side gig. And I get a lot of customers that like they've had an old ass logo and they want it updated and, and shit like that. And so I've fucked with chat or not chat GPT, but um, AI art. And I've tried to make it make logos for me. I'm like, let's see what it can do. Maybe I'll just fucking do one out of AI and then get paid $400. Like, fuck this person, <laughs> you know, but like it can't get the words right. So it, it never spells anything correctly. And it's just always garbage. And I spent about like a half an hour, like trying to regenerate something. I'm like, fuck this. I'm starting from scratch. Cause I already know how I want it to look. <laughs> I mean, it's that, that one too. I, I don't want to break your heart, man, but um, I, you can, not only can you make like really legible logos with words and everything, but on, but on top of that, the, one of the jobs that I used to work at, I actually inadvertently, I didn't, I didn't do this intentionally, but I, almost replaced the entire art department with one AI script that did exactly what you're talking about, where people would come to the site and they would want to sign up, but they need a logo because they get like an app or something. And in order to generate that logo, we just ran it out to some little AI thing that would generate a little SVG and then pop. And then they don't, it would, it would basically kill like 24 to 72 hours of the process where they have to go in, like use a little online designy thing. It would just know out of a library of like thousands of, you know, royalty free vectors, grab these two, throw a little bit of color theory in it, you know, give it some rounded edges, bam, good enough to, to ship. And it basically wiped out like, like four or five jobs. And I feel horrible about it, but I mean, it, it was so good. And it was just a little proof of concept that I was like, Hey, check out this cool thing I did with AI. And someone up, up higher was like, yeah, we're, we're using that now. <laughs> Thomas, so. you know, one of these guys like was a family annihilator. Like after he lost his job, he fucking murdered his whole family and then shot his brains out. I'm a, I'm a catalyst. <laughs> what can I say? I'm a catalyst. No, I am the catalyst. Oh, that's right. That's right. Catalyst Jones. I'm sorry. <laughs> but shit, man, stop breaking my heart, you asshole. Well, I'm, I'm just saying that like if you get ahead of it, then it won't, it won't come out of nowhere and like blindside you. But that, like the same thing that I was just mentioned, there's something called control net. So all you really have to do is get a general shape of the letters. You don't have to worry about the treatment or texturing or anything. And you can feed that directly in a control net and it'll just generate you. And, and here's where I think the difference is, right? So if you sat down and you had a great idea in mind and you spent like an hour or two on it, then you can execute that one great idea. And if you're happy with it, then great. You're probably just as efficient as AI ever could be. But the difference between AI is I could take that one logo, like a black and white, just outline version, you know, black and white strokes, 
of whatever the text is and hit go and have it generate like 10, you know, you go to lunch and come back, you've got 10,000 to sort through. Um, like there's no human on earth that could ever, you know, do that sort of efficiency. They're all not going to be killers, but out of 10,000, there's probably going to be 10 that you like better than the one that you sat down and had that intent with. So it's, it almost turns in to this, this art form of like, uh, photography now, right? Like photographers that got a digital camera, they can just set their camera up on some cliff and it like automatically takes, you know, 50 pictures when certain light settings are detected. And what they really do at the end of the day is sort through a thousand pictures and pick the best ones. And that's kind of where AI heart is sort of headed, at least in, in these scenarios that you're throwing up here, where you become more of like a curator and like now you're the art director instead of the artist at some levels. I don't mind being a director, but can AI use fucking clipping masks? Yeah. Oh, yeah. hundred percent. Dude, they got something called <laughs> segmenting. Everything you have to say. <laughs> so not only a clipping mask, but like you can just you can just put a different color um, like like MS paint style. Right. And just every color you can say red needs to be this object and blue needs to be this object and it'll do all the masking for you automatically it's it's crazy you know what i mean it's absolutely insane all right nobody knows what the fuck you and i are talking about other than other <laughs> designers that listen to this shit so let's jump into sh some shit man so this is one of my favorite questions to ask new people that come on my show so we're gonna have to take this one at a time uh let's start with you nate what was your Oh shit moment when you were like, uh, I don't want to say red pill moment because everybody has multiple red pilling moments throughout their entire life. But what was your moment where you were like, Oh shit. Uh, I think one of the big ones, um, man, cause I mean, I had already gotten kind of fucking red pill on economics. I was, I was a pretty fucking radical, like, uh, like, uh, politically I was a radical, like I was ready to fucking build like guillotines and let's fucking kill bankers and, and let's kill, let's fucking kill politicians and shit. I was fucking nuts. Um, and then, uh, I third that. And then, but I was like a fucking filth bag communist. And then, uh, so Dave, Dave Smith gave me like an economics lesson, basically like Austrian economics. And I was like, Oh, okay. So I'm still a fucking radical. I just, understand i'm not retarded anymore economically so it kind of made me more of a libertarian so there i had that red pill going for me but as far as like being a truther i was still a fucking normie right besides right. that um and i think my big one it had to be somewhere around 2020 man with with all this fucking covid shit because i used to fucking get my shots and shit i used to get like a flu shot sometimes or something or i you know i just kind of thought doctors wanted you wanted the best for you and shit i was like well they take you know the hippocratic hippocratic oath and they you know they want their fucking healers or whatever i don't know some faggy shit um some of them take it seriously it, but 2020 i don't know what it was for me it just fucking it woke me up i could see through their kind of bullshit uh because i didn't trust the government and that's what actually saved me from going down like the QAnon route was that like, I didn't trust politicians at all and I didn't trust the government. So there was no way I thought that Donald Trump was the white hat and he was going to save us, you know? So that saved me from that particular rabbit hole. Um, but, congratulations. Uh, I got sucked yeah. into that one. I know <laughs> uh, you've told me that, but uh, it's fun though. Sometimes it's fun. It's a fun ride, bro. It's a fun one, dude. And it, like, dude, the copium is great. It feels fucking great. 
You know what I mean? Uh, yeah. But because it's like, oh, but like I, I like there's a good guy and he's fighting for me and it's all good. Uh, but so I think I was uh, I was skeptical of this particular vaccine and I was listening to a lot of James Corbett at the time and I had found him through. Uh, like Richard Grove, and I started listening to some folks like that. And I, and I found, uh, I actually met him first before I listened to his show, uh, Scott Armstrong from Truthzilla, or it was Truthzilla, now it's rebunked. Yeah, right? Scott's, Scott's a great guy, dude. I love yeah, him. Yeah, Scott's a homie, yeah, man. He was actually, Scott. he was an Oregonian, man. Uh, he now is in Tennessee, so. Yes, met- you know what's, we crossed paths while I was in Tennessee, so. Yeah, dude, fucking. Yeah, we didn't dude. even know who each other was at the time, so that's kind of fucked. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was listening to his show originally, actually, like uh, Truthzilla, and they were talking about, um, man. Okay, so I'm trying to remember. So there's Scott, and I can't remember the other hosts anymore. I don't know. I used I used to listen to them. Ed and Meg, Megan, I think. So, Meg anyways, still with him, right? Oh, uh, I don't think so. Who's the girl that he has on with re- on Rebunked News? Uh, I don't know. I, I think know. it's her. It might be. That's fucking awesome. Uh, but, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, Ed had a, uh, had a vaccine injured child, and they did an episode on vaccines, and it was like my big first fucking red pill as wow. far as like really questioning uh, the whole vaccine thing. And, and it's then I did look and research to a few other folks, and I actually give uh, Truthzilla, I give Scott and Ed and Megan a look and credit for. I mean, they're the reason why we decided not to vaccinate my son, my little one. So I'm glad. So I give them all the fucking credit in the world. Like he's uncut, he has no fucking pokes. He's uh, he's a fucking solid little citizen there, uh, sovereign citizen. Yeah, dude, I love that guy. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna, traveling. That was I'm, my, traveling. I'm gonna turn him into a flat earther one of these days. So, <laughs> so you're, you're kind of a, you're kind of a baby in, in our, uh, in our community then. So I would like to say welcome and, uh, we open, we welcome you with open arms. Well, welcome aboard, Nate. <laughs> Thomas, yeah, brother. It's, it's interesting being a baby when you start questioning everything. Oh, sorry, man. I have a fucking giant goddamn leg. I'm sorry. Uh, all I was going to say is that, like, like you, how you jumped down the fucking uh, the QAnon rabbit hole, I maybe avoided that one, but I jumped down every other fucking hole. Because when you're a new truther, you're like, oh, maybe this, maybe this, maybe this. And I'm like, I yeah, what definitely else did they got some goofy about? shit. I was, like, calling myself a star seed for 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you were indigo child for a little while? Yeah. <laughs> I, I yeah. like that you said 30 Just seconds. Just for a minute. Yeah, it's fucking interesting. So, so <laughs> when 9-11... Sorry, Thomas. <laughs> Go for it, buddy. No, wait, wait, wait. Thomas, before we get to you, I got one more question for you, Nate. So when 9-11 happened, first off, how old were you? And did you think that that was all on the up and up? I was, I think I was like 14. I think I was either a freshman okay. or I was like eighth grade. You didn't even give a fuck. Um, and... I saw it happen. I was like, huh, I think I got the day off of school. I think it was like, I was in the bathroom getting ready. Uh, I'm pretty sure it was around that time in the morning for me. And then, uh, it was morning uh, at least it's the memory that I have. 
Uh, I'm, I'm West Coast, so I don't when, I don't know. I don't even know what time they fucking hit the buildings, but I'm pretty sure I was at home at the time. I'm, at, I'm um, West Coast, too, and I remember uh, I was living in L.A. at the time. I was living in uh, Gora Hills, and I was renting a room from a very rich family, and I just heard her yelling downstairs, we're under attack. Oh, my God, we're <laughs> under attack. And then all of a sudden she runs upstairs and I hear boom, boom, boom on my door. Brad, we're under attack. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Dude, well, I saw the first one happen and I was just like, oh, that guy was drunk. And then, <laughs> and then the second one happened. And then I was like, holy fuck. And then I realized, I guess we were under attack. I bought it hook, line and sinker, dude. Okay, like, that was my I question. didn't join the fucking military, but I like I, I think the only reason why I didn't join the military is that I already had like tattoos on me and they like turned me down. Uh and I was too yeah, I guess I was too young at the time too. And I was doing a lot of drugs. Um wait, you had <laughs> tattoos and you were doing drugs at 14 years old? Oh yeah, dude. No, I was a real piece of shit. I okay, left we're gonna have to we're gonna have to get back to that. We're, yeah. we're, we're gonna have to get back to that. We got to get Nate on the couch at a certain point. <laughs> I got stories. All right, sorry, Thomas, you go, brother. <laughs> well, I was gonna say, uh, I mean, honestly, nine eleven might have been my sort of wake up point too. Although I went, I went OG into a lot of conspiracy theories way before then because I, I joined the military when I was eighteen, which was. Uh, about a month into or right before 9-11 happened so i was on like the the drill pad when 9-11 happened i was in the air force uh but but even prior to the air force i mean i was deep into jordan maxwell and uh even alex jones somehow got a hold of some of those videos and then when i joined the air force i get stationed in texas and i got even closer to alex jones because then i could actually pick him up on my radio and i could pick him up on like the local access stations at the time so and this is you know this is a to early 2001 um leading into and the the biggest thing for me was that going through boot camp i remember reading about mind control and mk ultra and my first night in there i just felt like i was neo in the matrix not not that i was like above anything and that i was immune to it but that like i could see through the code right i could see the lady in the red dress but it wasn't a lady in the red dress it was like a ti it was just scream like three of them just screaming different directions at people and then you could just see their eyes glaze over and like you know it's almost like they're just analyzing everybody at the same time and i just remember when that happened it was like oh i get what's going on right now they're just testing everyone one by one and that entire process of going through you know military training i felt like that was my like eye awakening moment because it, it lined up with all of the different techniques and everything that i had been reading about it was it was fascinating, but it, you know, it was stressful. Thomas, how was your reaction when you were getting yelled at by like what was your like first reaction in boot camp when they started screaming in your the, face? My my if best example through the if you could see through it, like how do you react to it? Well, I mean, it's still scary because I'm an 18 year old kid and like the, the TIs are jacked, bro. We called ours uh, Captain America. He like literally had no neck; it was just all muscle, and he looked like an action figure. But but there was one in particular where. They um a whole bunch of guys. I think they, were, they used to call them purple ropes, and these were like the, the biggest hard asses that would come in. And they uh they took like a Hershey syrup and they just sprayed it all over the bathroom, right? And they they walk out and they they come up to like the the leaders of each of the flights, which um their beds were at the front, and basically said, "We're gonna be back here in 15 minutes, and if that bathroom isn't the cleanest we've ever seen it, you know, we're like all you guys are gonna get fucked up. Like you guys are fucked forever." So as soon as they leave. 
you just see people scrambling and, and it was like there were sections of people that would break down so there's the group of people that ran right into the bathroom and just start scrubbing like don't even think about it just like need to get this clean need to get this clean then there's some people that are like freaking out you know maybe crying or like pacing or getting into arguments with each other um and then there were some people that almost went catatonic like just kind of like frozen in space and i just remember looking around and realizing too like oh this is an impossible task like that like there's no way that they actually think that anyone's going to come in here in 15 minutes and this thing's going to be clean but what they are seeing is like you know who these people are and how they group up and when they walk in if they see some people that are still scrubbing well i know what kind of you know training that that might be more appropriate for that type of person and the so people that are you jump on the bunk and start jerking off or what did you do like what was your <laughs> i kind of i kind of found just like a little area where there was a lot more chaos going on beside me and just kind of like played it cool uh and let you know the chaos die down a little bit because because what they were doing is that everyone had some other crazy random task assigned to them you know what i mean um one guy was like taking a shower with his clothes on it was insane because again it was just three people and the ti's must have so much fun of like let's see how much we can break these kids that have never been away from their parents for more than like you know a, a weekend you know sleep off or something like that so that i mean it was a big waking up moment and then on top of that when 9-11 actually did happen they didn't tell us about it for like two weeks and we only learned about 9-11 because someone in a boot camp their parents like snuck in a newspaper article that somehow got through or i'm not sure but that was like the the defining moment and then finally the word got out through all of the different flights and they had to get the ti's together and you know they admitted like okay yeah there was something that happened but they didn't want to distract from training and i just remember coming out and everyone was like hand in hand and like we're all americans now and like you know very patriotic and okay. it was this like new world right <laughs> but i wasn't in it because it was the exact same place that i had you know when i had gone in and came out i didn't go through that that global or that like international trauma event where we all like just started kissing each other so i don't know well, it, it was weird because i stepped back out and i felt like i was in a different reality I've so, told this story before on the show that I saw like a peace rally like a year later and some dude had an Iraqi flag and I fucking like jumped him and like pushed him <laughs> and got his face. Just because he <laughs> happened to be from Iraq? Yeah. No, it was just some white faggot. And I was like, oh. hey, love it or leave it. This is America. <laughs> fucking. <laughs> yeah, it was a douchebag. So now I have two questions. One, Thomas, did you actually get deployed and have to go serve? And Nate, did you fuck that guy up or did you end up getting your ass kicked? No, oh, he Nate. backed down. No, he like he like got the fuck away from me. Uh, <laughs> I was I was ridiculous, dude. Like I was real. I don't know if I had too much testosterone when I was younger, but I was always ready for a fight. I was just a nut. I was really, I don't know, like, I, I got, definitely got my ass kicked a few times. I'm not, like, a phenomenal fighter. I was just, like, a, I was a chihuahua. Right. It's <laughs> more of a pride thing, right? Yeah, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I didn't, I guess I didn't have a daddy, so I was, like, trying to be, like, super masculine, like, and so I was always, like, looking for a fight and shit. You know, I was such a dickhead when I was, like, fifth, probably, like, 15 to 20 you wouldn't like me very much. I was a prick. Oh man, I got a bigger window than that. I would say probably from eighth grade until I had my daughter. You would nice. never have liked me. Yeah. 
I started doing mushrooms and it made me much a much better human. Oh man, we're gonna have to jump back to that. Uh, I mean that that's kind of cheating, right? I would have said that too. I think I I did them when I was either twelve or thirteen, and that was definitely a, a life defining moment for me. Wow, you guys fucking are are young. Like you guys try shit way earlier than me. So that I was before try. I tried anything. I hadn't tried anything uh, at all until that point. It was the only thing I could get my hands on. I didn't try mushrooms until. Uh, my wife, she was like seven months pregnant and our neighbor, uh, just, uh, so I lived in a duplex in Carson city, Nevada. And, uh, we had somebody just move in. He was from Oakland, California. And at the time I thought I was going to be a rapper. And so I was making fucking a bunch of music and shit. This is back in 2004, 2005, that time period. Okay. And well, I started rapping in 99, but, um, so anyway, this was that time period. And so this guy moved in from, uh, Oakland and he made beats and I was like, Oh fuck. Yeah, dude, this is fucking perfect. And so we start hanging out and he fucking gives me an eighth of mushrooms. And he said, be careful. They're boomers. And I was like, okay, cool. I don't know what the fuck boomers are because I don't don't either. I don't know what that fucking terminology is. I'm I like I was born in Oakland, but like I I didn't ever, didn't live there fucking since I was in fourth grade. And so I'm like, okay, cool. That must mean they're they're good or whatever. And so I'd never done them before, but my wife, she had. And so she's seven months pregnant and I walk in and I'm like, yo, you just gave me these mushrooms. And I was like, I'm gonna try these. I was like, how much should I do? And she was like, uh, she was like, how much did he give you? I was like, an eighth. And she was like, oh, you should probably eat the whole thing in order to feel yeah. the full effects. And I was like, all right, cool. So do ate, it, do it, man. So I ate the whole thing. I did not realize that it was a heroic fucking dose of mushrooms for yeah. my very first fucking time. And I had no idea what to expect because before that, I was just drinking and smoking weed, mm. you know? <laughs> oh, 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 in ecstasy. I was an ecstasy dealer, actually, for quite some time but i never did psychedelics like a lot of my friends would candy flip at raves and shit like that but i never got into the psychedelics i'm like fuck it i'm gonna try this shit so i do it and you know i'm like sitting there playing xbox at the time i think i was playing like uh i I know exactly what i was playing but i can't think of the name it was like a street street nba game on the xbox like super old and um it was like an a1 game or and one game and then I'm like, fuck this shit. I'm gonna I, I had a buddy down the street, like a few doors down, and I walked down to his house. I was like, What are you doing, brother? He was like, Oh shit, I'm about to play whatever he was about to play a video game. And so I sit on his couch and then I'm sitting there for like I don't know how long, but I look down at the carpet and then I just see like rainbows going like and it's just like I just start seeing shit. And I was like, Whoa, dude, that's fucking nuts. Okay, cool. (laughs) And so, like, then I try to look at the TV and focus on his gameplay, and I can't do it. I'm like, okay, now I'm overwhelmed. I, like, I can't focus. I'm like, I got to get back home. And so I'm like, dude, I got to go, dude. And I fucking leave, and I walk outside, and it was like fucking, what's her name? When she walks out into the wizard of Oz and, and wakes up in the land of Oz. And then it's just color for the first time. 
That is exactly how outside looked to me. I was like, what the fuck is this shit? This is yeah, dude, dude, TV can't compete with nature in that sort of state of mind. Mm -hmm. There's there's nothing that can compete with that if it's like inside a house. Dude, it was insane. And then it was so in from inside the house. Then I walk outside. It's just fucking incredible, mm -hmm. brilliant, vibrant. And I somehow you look I, at a tree and you're like, it's perfect. <laughs> it's yes. the coolest thing ever. But I but at the same time, I was also um, a control freak. And so I didn't like not having control of my body. Mm -hmm. You have a bad time. Psychedelics yeah. and control freaks don't work. I uh, ended up in the hospital, guys, because I thought oh, I was. Yeah. And they give you some uh, carbon paste. No, they didn't give me shit, dude. the The nurse was like laughing with my wife because she was like, "You know, I do mushrooms all the time. This fucking guy, he he's gonna be okay, you know." And like. And then a sheriff. The nurse was saying that, or your wife was saying that. No, the nurse. The nurse was saying that to my wife. <laughs> I do mushrooms all the time. It's okay. And then, and then the nurse told your my wife. A that, pussy. Yeah. <laughs> the nurse told my wife that the fucking, that the doctor is a faggot piece of shit, and that he notified the sheriff's department that somebody oh, came shit. in. Uh, mm. high off of their ass on mushrooms and in Nevada that is a big big fucking no no really in Nevada it was at the time I mean okay. even wheat so you could get caught with coke or with meth and it's a slap on the wrist back then but if you got caught with weed you get fucked it's a felony back then because and this is this is their their uh, way of, of, of saying that's okay is because if you do coke or meth it makes you want to go out and gamble. Yeah. <laughs> if, you, yeah. if you do, if you smoke weed, then it makes you want to chill and fucking play video games and eat some fucking food. And, yeah. shit, and right? if you do mushrooms, you end up sticking your fucking gum into the slots. <laughs> right. So a sheriff fucking comes in there. They didn't even have enough uh, beds or enough rooms. So I'm on like a gurney in the hallway of a fucking ER room tripping balls like the worst place to be for your first fucking mushroom experience right it was just horrible and then a sheriff comes in and he's like oh and oh because the uh the nurse told my wife that prior she was she talked to the sheriff beforehand and she was like yeah um one of his friends thought it was funny and pulled a prank on him and gave him mushroom tea and now he's tripping his ass off and he doesn't know what's going on and so the first thing out of the sheriff's mouth is, you want to tell me who did this to you? And I'm like, what? <laughs> I was, it was Nate. I'm like, babe, why is there a lizard talking to me? And I looked at him and I was like, you look like a fucking lizard. And all I could think of is, <laughs> is fear and loathing in Las Vegas. And I was like, I know exactly how they felt. <laughs> all right. Enough of the fucking stories. What is... What is some of the crazy conspiracies that you guys are fucking diving into right now? Because I know that you guys have on some of the coolest motherfuckers ever, and you guys talk about some of the craziest shit. So what are you guys, like, attached to right now? Well, Nate's been doing ghost hunting, so tell him about the ghost hunting. I have been doing ghost hunting, man. It's been interesting because I'm going in as a pretty fucking hard skeptic. Um, I, like for the most part, 
I mean, I was real fucking skeptical because, like, I had, like, fucking friends that used to, like, come and talk to me about their ghost experiences, and I used to tell them how stupid they were and that it was all in their head. It was sleep paralysis, and I would, <laughs> I was, like, really dismissive. I was a real cocksucker. Uh, and then, I, then I kind of, you know, opened my mind up to things, and then I started believing all kinds of crazy shit, but I'm still skeptical of, like, the whole ghost thing. I, I, ex I, understand that people are definitely experiencing something but i don't think it's necessarily like your dead grandma like i don't think she's still like hanging out i don't and think if so it, it, dude and if so that really sucks like god damn it you should have gone like somewhere else because like this this i think this like universe is infinite especially once you drop out of the skin suit you know, like once you're out of the meat suit, I think you can really start exploring and really start like anyways. <clears throat> but I have to say, uh, I'm having fucking nutty ass experiences uh, that I can't explain and that freak me the fuck out. Like this latest one that we had, uh, we went to a lady, a lady owns an axe throwing range and she gave us free range of her entire property and she wanted us to explore it. And, um, and because she was having like full on poltergeist experiences and things like that. Um, so we went and it scared the living shit out of me. So I was so fucking scared that like, <laughs> I wouldn't leave the group to take a piss alone. I like, I was like, I was like a girl. I needed like a, a girl to come with me to the bathroom sort of thing because I didn't want to fucking be alone to take a piss in that place. It was so fucking freaky. So I don't know what the fuck that is. I don't know if it's ghosts. We kind of, I don't want to give it away, but I kind of think it, it was a fucking ghost. I think it really was a fucking ghost. Um, yeah, because this was a little, this was the last little dock that we threw out. Um, do you and, think that there's do you think that there is a difference between ghosts, demons, uh, interdimensional beings? Is it all the same thing? What do you think? I mean, that definitely has been our fucking MO, our fucking uh that's been our meat and potatoes for a long time. I I was thinking that fucking you could include aliens in that mix. You could even include Sasquatch in that mix. You could include like Dogman and all of these cryptids. I think they are an interdimensional creature um, that is uh, sometimes a trickster entity, kind of like you get that trickster vibe. Sometimes they're kind of nefarious and kind of scary, but I, I felt like it's all this one like bizarre phenomenon that we interpret it differently through our own cultural lens. Right. So like if you if you're kind of like a religious person, you might experience an angel because that's how your brain interprets it and maybe how you can like how you can understand it. Right. 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 And so if you're a fucking hardcore like atheist, you might see a fucking gray alien. Right. Because you're like, well, there is no God and there's no angels or, you know, so. Or if you are like a hardcore like because I don't know what I would have saw when I was younger. I was like horribly afraid of demons. I thought, you know, I'm like my, my entire life as a kid, my mom was like trying to teach me how to cast out demons and stuff. I grew up really hardcore, like Pentecostal Christian. That's a different fucking story. Um, so I always thought that there was a demon that was going to come rape me at night. So I was always like, uh, <laughs> I was always like fighting with demons in my head. Uh, so if I had run into the phenomenon, would I have found like a giant demon with a huge cock? You know, I don't know. Like, but, um, 
it's one of the it's one of these interesting things, dude, where I don't have really answers, but that's kind of the way I lean. I kind of think that this is one interesting giant phenomenon and that we all interpret it differently. Yeah, definitely, man. And, and you know, uh, Brandon Thomas from Expanding Reality, he's one of my friends. And he, Love Brandon. He, he tends to think that, um, you know, that reality is whatever you perceive it to be. Um, and so if you, if, if that's what your experiences is, then that's what you're going to perceive in that moment. Right. So like, like you're saying, like a Christian maybe would see an angel when an atheist would see an alien. Right. Um, I tend to believe that there is all kinds of different types of interdimensional beings. I also believe that there are beings that are here on this earth. And I think that those beings uh, have been here since the perception of mankind and even before that. And so that that's my whole take. I, I think that there's many species and just because we can't see them doesn't mean that they're not there because we all know that when we're in a different percept, a different state of reality, whether it's drug induced, whether it's sleep deprivation or whether you're dreaming or not uh, sleep paralysis um, or just in tuned with these type of things, everybody is different and we can perceive these things differently. But I do believe, I do believe, I hate saying that. I feel like fucking Dave from X-22. Um, but I really feel like there is multiple beings uh, that are a part of this whole experience that we can't even perceive. Yeah, man, it's, it's fucking, it's a really interesting idea. I mean, unless we are all just one giant entity, including ourselves, uh, all just experiencing this shit. I don't know, man. It's, it's fucking fascinating. I also like the idea of like Bigfoot or any of these creatures being physical creatures. Um, I just feel like there's so many psyops tied into it. Cause like, I just, my buddy was telling me about it and I just read an article about it. Uh, I, I don't know if you heard about it. This was in Nevada as well. Um, a cop had pulled somebody over and he was like talking to him and he had his body cam going and he recorded, he'd saw this big, like fucking flash, like something falling out of the sky. Are you yeah, familiar? So, are you familiar yeah, with the story? Right. Yeah, yes. I, and then, and then not some even, yeah, saw not some even minutes later, some bit, somebody called nine one one and, and I actually heard the nine one one call too. It was like, they're like eight, eight feet tall maybe even nine fuck maybe yeah. they're even ten big giant dark almond shaped eyes like it like giant fucking grays because the grays are described as short but these things were like nine feet tall nine like nine ten feet tall yeah man it, so to me that like the skeptical side of me and like the contrarian side of me and like that just screams like government psyop like oh this is them kicking off project blue beam yes uh you know, that sort of thing. And I think that that's probably, that's most likely what it is. But I also want to like give the fucking, like this universe is way bigger than we give it credit for. Like what's behind, like what's beyond the ice wall, dog? Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> is there some fucking creatures over there that we haven't seen? Also, I think there's some serious creatures in our ocean that we have no fucking idea about. I think that's where the fucking real aliens are. Man. I don't know, man. I think sirens are a real thing. So I talked to Howard Schultz, the guy that um, uh, he was a CEO for Starbucks for the longest time. And I asked him why the, why the siren? And uh, you know, like he kind of laughed and 
and I didn't know anything about occultism at the time. And then I, and then I like dove down conspiracies and I started looking into the siren. You guys know what the siren is, right? Yeah. The logo for it's not a, it's not a mermaid. A siren would sing. uh, And then the sailors would come because they were so beautiful creatures and their voices were so amazing. And then they were basically like succubuses and they would devour the sailors. And that is the logo that that that's who you decided to represent for Starbucks. Like you're you're calling people in by singing and then you devour them. And that sounds exactly like what corporations do. Starbucks included. So I I have found it so easy to just not drink Starbucks my entire life, though. I don't get it. Like, is it am I just resistant to the siren or is it just that people are fucking assholes and idiots? <laughs> it's expensive and it's not that good. It's it's like anything that they could try to do to make me stay away from there. They they do it. Well, you know, things like they name everything fucking French. Like, come on, guys. You know who the biggest uh, competitor of Starbucks is? And you guys are going to be. There's two that are neck and neck with Starbucks, and both of them would surprise you. The first the Dunkin Donuts and Waffle House. Nope. Folgers and Dunkin' Donuts. You got you one. Go. You got one. Their number two competitor is Dunkin' Donuts. Their number one competitor is McDonald's. Yeah, that doesn't mm, surprise yeah. me. Dude, honestly, I'll fucking get a dollar like tall ass coffee from McDonald's way over Starbucks. Because I, I drink my coffee black anyways. It's not bad coffee, dude. It's a dollar, and it's, like, fucking enormous. Yeah. It doesn't matter. If it's an Arabica fucking coffee bean, and you you, you brewed it, and you poured it into a cup, cool. I'm good. <laughs> I don't need to pay $5 because you put a fancy name on it and added some fucking chemicals and, and some cow's milk that has been fucking injected with a bunch of hormones like i'm good i also don't need some like stinky tranny looking at me then handing me my coffee like (laughs) (laughs) the filth bags that work like i want the spick i want that fucking filthy wet bag that works at mcdonald's like that'll fucking like that'll make me a coffee i'd take her over the tranny 10 10 out of 10 man starbucks was the first one on board with that shit because i remember back then so when I, I actually worked for Starbucks, but I didn't work in a Starbucks store where I was like making coffees for people. I worked for the roasting and distribution center and I was a machine operator and I worked the machines that bag packaged the coffees that went out to all the stores. And, and we had like everything in that, in that warehouse. So I, I learned how to be a barista there and I was able to make all the drinks because we had, our, our break room was a fucking Starbucks. It was pretty fucking awesome. I bet they actually pulled shots back then. They don't even fucking pull shots anymore, dude. They just oh, press no, a fucking was... button. Oh no, we did pull shots. That was yeah. it was it was a very important important part. I was a machine operator, dude, and I had to go through a, a week long uh, like inaugura- What is it called when you go? Not inauguration, but like a, a intor- uh, Damn it! Uh, fuck it. Dude, it was right on the tip of my tongue. What is the word when you like go through like initiation? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, oh, apprenticeship, apprenticeship. No, both nope. of you are wrong, but close. Um. So anyway, so uh, orientation. Okay. 
and and they teach you how to be a barista like they spend a day on it so they don't spend like a whole fucking long time on it but they the like that that was very important to them is like pulling your shots that's what separated starbucks from everybody else and now they don't even do that they just push a button that's funny well, I mean, they what they what it really button, was, yeah, though, yeah, they did not pull shots anymore. that's kind of a, just Sorry, a, a ahead, bullshit Thomas. marketing thing, though, because what they really are is just consistency. It's, it's just that if if you fly across the country and you want a coffee, you you've come to trust, I guess, McDonald's, too. But McDonald's, Dunkin Donuts, Starbucks, that it's going to be relatively the same tasting coffee that you got anywhere else. Whereas if you go to just like a mom and pop shop every time, it's a crapshoot. You might not be to your liking so you can like develop a taste for a specific consistency and then if it just matches your expectation then it's good enough yeah i see that i I can see see that's why some spots you go to well some spots you go to you go and get like i'll only get coffee if like christina's making it because i know that she makes she actually pulls the shot properly she doesn't break the fucking puck she fucking sits there and she tastes it she like that coffee is a motherfucker so that was like a cool ass thing i think that like starbucks started at a time when like most coffee shops were like you'd go to mcdonald's or something to get coffee or you'd fucking make folgers at home like they didn't have the artisan model yet like it wasn't a thing and then all of a sudden i remember that was around the 90s right they started like all of a sudden these little tiny spots started like popping up that's where you get the little mobile coffee spots that started like really making good coffee and i think so they were like early adopters and why they got so big yeah they popular but their coffee isn't exceptional like Starbucks no, not. is not exceptional, but it became well, McDonald's, right? It's like the McDonald's of coffee. But like what Thomas is saying is like now if I go get a Big Mac at McDonald's, it's the same Big Mac if I'm if I'm in Texas and get it. And so mm-hmm. that is right. like I don't have to like because it's so hard if you're that big, like you can't hire all Christina's. But that's right? all like, that, Christina makes the fuck out of my coffee. But Sorry, that's all ahead. me. That's only on this timeline, Nate, because if you go if you go to a, a McDonald's in California and then you go to a McDonald's in New York, you're going to get the same burger. Right. But if you go to a McDonald's in California in 2000 and fucking 23 and you go to a McDonald's in 2005, you're going to get a totally different burger. Oh, well, yeah, of course. The, the, yeah. They'll, they'll start adding more silica and more uh, like soy protein and <laughs> Yeah, definitely. Well, so do you think that these big corporations, well, not do you think, what do you think the part, the role that these big corporations plays on what we're seeing today? Because when I worked for the Starbucks Corporation, I could see the wokeness happening. And this was 2005 until 2010, I believe is when I worked for them. It's it's interesting, man. Like, like what's the name of the fucking ceo that you uh you talked to him what's his name howard schultz and i guarantee i guarantee you that that company is only big because he did some sort of fucking uh ritual with his fucking occultic friends and that's why it's so big because another big one out of seattle was uh was fucking bill gates too right i mean uh didn't bill gates get big out of fucking seattle or no or jeff bezos or uh anyways i don't know that's a fucking it's a weird dark area seattle's fucking sick 
Um, but I honestly, I think that like, as far as the woke corporations go, uh, it's been a fucking long time planning thing, dude. Like I was listening to, uh, what's, uh, is it Larry Fink? That's BlackRock, right? Um, I was listening to a video of him earlier, like explaining it. They're like, Hey, we want to have all this like adoption of like, uh, of like corporate equality. And we want to have all this divert, uh, what the fuck did they even call that? Uh, diversity diversity gay crappy horrible bullshit and they're like and how like people are really like kind of hold like they're like uh they're not adopting it as fast as we want they're like it's going too slow what do we do and larry fink is just like explaining we need to make it part of uh everyone's culture and he he literally said like we need to have every single company adopting these policies so that we can change the culture because if people see that all around them all the time they're they're going to adopt it and i kind of feel like maybe some of that is starting to bite him in the ass because like they had this like slow and steady growth like like i would say fuck it's 2023 right now i'd say probably like what 20 uh i don't know like 20 fucking 15 people were the most accepting of gays period right like everyone no one give a shit if you were gay like uh but like they've gone so far with this shit and they've tried to do it so fast i think it's really starting to bite him in the fucking ass sincerely we we just changed topics though but i i want to i want to add to what you just said because yeah one thing i want to add is why in the fuck are all these trannies out there saying we want our rights? We want our rights. What the fuck rights do you not have that I don't have? I want to fuck your kid. That's what, that's <laughs> what their right is. <laughs> I want the right to fuck your kid without you getting pissed off and putting a bullet in my head. Well, that's not going to happen. I've already got a grave dug for you waiting. There's a, a quote by Terrence McKenna from one of his, his talks. I think in Seattle, believe it or not, uh, coincidentally. <laughs> But um, the, the speech is something like culture is not your friend. And it go, he goes on like a, a long monologue that I'm not going to be able to repeat because he's got a special way of saying it. But the, his, his ultimate concept there is that so many people look at culture as if it's this like cool thing that we get to be a part of. Like, you know, what's part of your culture and you get to describe your culture and you go to work and there's a corporate culture and all court all culture is, is um, like us helping categorize ourselves so that we can be more easily ingested and analyzed by government or corporations or whatever. So, of course, uh, you know, corporations want to influence culture and they want to harvest culture and, and just, you know, they, they want as many different cultures as possible. Because if the more that we can categorize ourselves for them, like, a, like to me, a culture is when you go and make a Facebook ad. And it's like, what topics, you know, do you want to advertise these to? Every one of those topics is a culture. And it's essentially just these little like piecemeal, nice, convenient trading cards that people can use to represent real people. And uh, I I think that's part of it. It's it's not just one particular movement. It's, It's all of these different corporate interests that want to influence and just promote culture of any kind. Even if it seems cool, like, you know, remember when Sprite was like, we're going to push hip hop culture and, you know, every, everyone had like a certain thing, um, right. but Bud Light had, had a thing and Mount, then they changed Mountain it. Dew, Mountain Dew was all dedicated towards extreme, right? Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, so yeah, dude, that's, that's great. And uh, so let's go back to Starbucks because Starbucks was the first corporation that I remember. And when I worked for them, uh, it, it was like a big thing. We don't have commercials. Like we, 
We don't have to do commercials. Everybody, they were iPhone. They were Apple. They were like the status symbol that you know. Stat, it was a status symbol. If you right? know, you know. Yeah. If you oh. walked into a meeting with a Starbucks, it's like, oh, that guy's running shit. So and then someone walks in with a Dunkin' Donuts, and you're like, "Look at fucking two look pence at, McGee." Well, over here. and so that's why they charge five dollars for that coffee because it was a status symbol. It's right. like because yeah, if yeah. everybody had a fucking five dollar coffee, or if everybody had a Starbucks cup, who would be in charge? So right. You got to walk in with that five dollar, and then that's the other thing. If I bought the office Starbucks, that meant something. <laughs> yeah, bro. Exactly. <laughs> and so that 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 that's a status symbol, right? And so here's how they tied in the woke agenda, because Starbucks was the first corporation that didn't care if you had tattoos or green hair or anything like that. They welcomed you. It, they didn't care if you were gay. They actually promoted that. And so that what uh, old Navy is one of the same uh, old Navy did that as well, but Starbucks really, really did it. And so to be a status symbol. So all these really to do people are going to Starbucks and who's serving them tattooed green haired motherfuckers. Right? So that was the first indoctrination of corporations taking over a cultural movement. I also particularly like the Starbucks example because those same counterculture nose ring green haired baristas, right? It's like they end up fighting for Starbucks on behalf of Starbucks and sticking up for Starbucks. And it's just this really interesting and even the counter like the same Apple crowd, right? This like think different crowd and I'm not going to submit to, you know, the, the Microsoft machine. And then they'll run over to a Starbucks and sit down and you know order a ten dollar uh sort of like latte and sit down on their three thousand dollar computer and it's it's such a weird aspect it's almost like the most punk thing you could do would be to like rip into a mcdonald's and just fucking drink a black coffee yes and that's another thing too is it pisses me off because when i was younger dyeing your hair crazy i had my hair every fucking color you can think of blue red green whatever but were you, was, a, you were a they back then too, right? No, I was not. <laughs> I was a fucking punk rock skater kid. And I was down with like fucking fat records and warp tour and shit like that. They're woke. And they're woke as fuck too, bro. Now they, uh, dude, I had to quit fucking following fat Mike and no effect. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Every post you're going to do, you're wearing a fucking dress. I'm like done with you, dude. I'm done with you. You used to, you used to be somebody that stood up against the establishment. And now kind of. although if, if you read the um, fat Mike's, I think it was like autobiography or even the audio tape. He dictates himself. He kind of outs himself as always being a poser that just was in the scene for so long that he just kind of naturally transitioned into an actual punk. But like he came from money. He was like a Beverly Hills kid. They always do, man. Don't. Yeah. You can't fucking know like that whole don't meet your heroes. Don't fucking Google your heroes. All right, well, check this out. Speaking of don't meet your heroes, and we're talking about Fat Mike, I believe this was 1998. I was either a senior or a, or, or a, a, yeah, I was a senior because I graduated in 99. So it was, uh, okay, it was, it was one of the two years. But anyways, we go to Warp Tour in Tahoe, and I'm like dead set on meeting Fat Mike. And I had a, a blind skateboarding hat and I watched uh, at first I watched no effects play. And then 
or no, first I watch me first in the Gimme Gimme's play okay. on one stage, yeah. and then I go and watch No Effects play. And I watched Fat Mike walk back into a trailer behind the stage, and I'm like looking at this fence, and I'm like, I'm gonna fucking do it, dude. And I fucking hopped the fence. I ran to the trailer. <laughs> I knocked on the I knocked on the fucking door and Fat Mike came out uh, and El Jefe came out and I got them both to sign my fucking hat and yeah. that was like the shit to me right back then and and I looked up to him so much and I also looked up to Rage Against the Machine and this is like and I also fucking I almost got a backwards E tattooed on my calf because I was like an Eminem retard I was oh, like Jesus. the real you know like. And all of these people that I used to look up to and go fuck themselves. My, I got a Weezer tattoo right here. On my... <laughs> all right. Well, they're not bad. Oh, I got, dude, I got an Atlantis Moore set on my back. Hold on. No. <laughs> dude. <laughs> Weezer's, Weezer's still a great band in my book, dude. I love Rivers Cuomo. Like that whole entire band is my childhood and fuck anybody that doesn't like that. Yeah. I, I, gotta I got say, to I, I still actually... like no effects. I just yeah. don't like Fat Mike or maybe the politics, but the music, it's still that whiny shit that, that sounded horrible, but I still like it. <laughs> what do you think about the song Don't Call Me White Now after you see who he's become? I Honestly, I love the song, and, and the one on the um, I Heard They Suck Live is an even better rendition of that one. Yeah, I used to... I used, I, so I was in a punk rock band, and that was one of the songs that we would cover Linoleum and uh don't call me white and now i'm like man dude that song don't call me white is kind of not okay that oh, was like it's, it's a it was kind of an early woke song so was uh johnny appleseed by el jefe but i love that song too it's a great one yeah johnny well, what's your favorite no effects song probably linoleum yeah probably linoleum. linoleum's good i like together on the sand that might be or uh that one's fun it's like a, a novelty for sure yeah, and a fun novelty song. But yeah, linoleum really hit home to me because I've definitely waken up on the floor on linoleum in the bathroom before. <laughs> it, it was always pop punk. It was always pop punk. <laughs> Not as pop punk as like Blink-182 or MXPX. No, or... but they, they sort of set the uh, they set the mold a little bit. I think no effects did. For yeah. pop punk. They, they like opened the gate to make to make people that were on the, the cusp of pop punk feel like they were in like hardcore because, Oh man, these guys fuck inflatable sheep on stage. That's hardcore. I'm a punk now, but really it was still sort of, you know, there was a crowd. Yeah. No, no effects still used power chords. There was nothing like really great about their musician uh, talents. Um, they all had great voices. I mean, it's not like they weren't all good at what they did, but they weren't like groundbreaking at anything that they fucking did. And to be honest with you, like uh, all of their albums pretty much sounded the same from the longest line to fucking uh, drunk in public. It, it was basically, it all sounded very fucking similar. Um, being a musician, I'm like, ah, you guys could have grown a little bit, but at the same time, it was great for what the fuck it was back then. Nate, what what kind of music did you grow up on? I grew up listening to fucking hip hop, dude. Uh, I listened to a lot of fucking West Coast shit. I was listening to like, uh, I don't know, but I also grew up listening to a lot of like Too Short. Um, 
You ever listen to Too Short? I was listening to like, uh, I Hell had yeah. the original album Cocktails. That was like the fucking album I grew up on. This fucking- Bro, I told you I was born in Oakland. Do you think I don't listen to fucking yeah. Too Short? <laughs> <laughs> I listened to a lot of fucking Too Short as a kid, dude. I uh, uh, I don't know. When I got a little older, I was getting into like Mac Dre and Andre Nicotina, and I don't, I don't know where where you were at during that time. But uh, I was, was a lot of that was good when, music that was when I was that was when I was tripping out in the fucking emergency room on shrooms. Is when the whole hyphy movement was going on. So that's yeah. funny because I was in it. Right, so you were there. <laughs> oh, I was there. I actually did songs with a bunch of those guys. I've done album covers for, uh, I've done album covers for what's that guy's name? Uh, uh, not, well, I've done album covers for yuck mouth, but he wasn't in the uh, hyphy movement. Uh, what's that guy that was with, uh, E 40 a lot. It, it begins with a Keek Y. To sneak. Keek to sneak. Yes. I've done album covers for Keek to sneak, uh, be to Wida, uh, a lot of those guys I've done album covers for. So yeah. I was heavily in that, movement but behind the scenes and then it was funny i actually just mentioned this on another podcast um but uh they asked me to do a song a hyphy song and i made fun of them in the song and they didn't even know it i was like i don't ride no yellow bus but i'm bound to go dumb and i and i talked about uh yellow submarine i I said fuck a yellow yellow bus i'm down with yellow submarine and and i was making fun of their entire movement and they fucking put that shit on their fucking mixtape and it fucking hit and everybody was like going stupid and fucking going to their uh what what do they call it uh sideshows right and and people were like bumping that song at the sideshows whipping their cars and shit and i'm making fun of them while they're listening to my music i loved it (laughs) Those are That's wild funny. times, dude. Like well, fucking young teenagers just stole a car. We were trying to ghost ride. <laughs> we were like on top of the fucking we we're on top of the car, just fucking. <laughs> oh, dude, those are wild fucking times. Yeah, man, what a crazy time. But Mac Dre was the shit, and yeah, right before Mac Dre came out, I discovered Ecstasy. So I was already like fizzing before he gave it the name Fizz. And I was like, oh, Fizz, that's perfect. That is the perfect fucking name for what we feel. <laughs> yeah, what year yeah. was that? I would say that was like 2004 through 2007. Okay. Yeah. I was, I was really young for that one too, man, because I think my first time on that was like 98. Uh, on Ecstasy? Yeah. Oh, shit. I was probably 14. Something yeah, like dude, that. You're crazy, dude. I didn't fucking. <laughs> that is crazy. I have. I. I didn't do drugs until I was a fucking adult and moved out. I was that was when I was started slowing down. 15, <laughs> I was a fucking meth head at 15. We did all yeah, dude. Once, once I once I hit like 20, honestly, I'm not even joking. Once I hit 21, it was like right, I'm gonna slow down on all this. I'm starting yeah. to get starting to get a little old here. Shit, I think 21 is when I fucking first started getting introduced to shit. Don't get me wrong, I smoked weed a few times when I was in high school, but I played football and I I just knew in my heart that I was going to be a professional skateboarder. So I was like, no alcohol, no weed, none of that shit. What about Chad Muska, bro? Chad Muska was the fucking ultimate stoner professional skater. Okay, so here's what's up. When Chad Muska was out... Um, he, he was sponsored by shorties 
and he had a great uh, video. Uh, the Shorties video was fucking amazing. And mm -hmm. then what branched off of Shorties was All Stars, which was Kareem Campbell's uh, company. Right. And and then they put out uh, that video. Um, what was it called? Cinema, cinema something. And uh, I ended up joining the skate team that had a bunch of the city star skaters on it. So I was, so I was on the same team with not Kareem Campbell, but uh, Justin Case, Matt Taylor, um, and then and then some other people that were on other teams. But like I was associated with all those motherfuckers, and I was filming a four one one. Do you remember four one one videos? Oh yeah, of course. Yeah, so I was, I was, uh, they were doing a segment on me, and I was filming a four in one scene, and I was like, I gotta go as bigger than I've ever gone before. And then, and in L.A., there was this fourteen, uh, fourteen stair rail, and I wanted to blunt slide the rail for this for the climactic moment of my scene. Fourteen fucking stairs, blunt right, blunt slide the whole rail, and back then that was huge. Mm -hmm. What happened was is when I came off of the rail the third time, cause I bailed a few times before I finally committed to it when I finally committed to it and I was on it. And when I came off, uh, I landed with my feet fucked up and, uh, my, my foot was on the nose and that should never happen. Your, sh your feet should always be on the bolts when you land something huge like that. And my foot was on the nose and it caused the board to snap. And when the board snapped and all my momentum was going forward from coming off of the rail, it caused my ankle to slide underneath and fucking just completely tear. And I had to have three surgeries on my ankle. And when I finally healed and I got back on a skateboard, I was a pussy. And yeah. I, was like, I was like, oh, shit, I can actually get hurt from this. Yeah. <laughs> I have a similar one, but I just got thrown off the back of a car going 40 on a skateboard. And that was when I was like, oh, wow, you can actually get hurt out here. <laughs> <laughs> Man, skateboarding has a way to do that to people. I know a bunch of people that have, have woke up to the fact that you can get hurt from speed wobbles because they're like, oh, I'm going to take my skateboard and bomb down this hill. That, dude, that's yeah. exactly what it was. I, I was in the back of the car. We did fine the first time. I felt like a freaking superhero. And then it was like, okay, well... I'm so far away from the skate park now, like might as well just hold on to the car again. We'll drive back, you know, over to the skate park where we started at. And on halfway over there, I remember looking down and seeing the wheels go over a sewer plate. And I don't know if it was just me thinking it or if it was actually threw it off balance. But as soon as I saw that, my skateboard just like flew like three feet in front of me and I tried to keep my feet on it. And then it, you know, swerved like three feet the other way. And then I just remember the board flying out from behind me. And, and I was, uh, it was like an old Sebring that had like the luggage rack. So I'm still holding on to the luggage rack. And oh, I feel God. like my pinky toe starting to like tickle a little bit. And it was my shoe just unraveling and the gravel just grinding into the back of my foot. And I just remember like letting go and I just balled up and rolled for a little while. I missed all the skin on the whole right side of my body i couldn't like i went to school and like people were throwing up <laughs> seeing my face it was horrible it was like the worst fucking thing ever 
you were a walking scab <laughs> it was bad dude and like like work would call me in and it was like you don't want me to come in and i finally went in and they were like you can go right now like i think <laughs> customers left we didn't get it we didn't understand yes you can absolutely go home yeah dude just, just take all the time you need we trust you when you come back hang on let me get you some neosporin <laughs> So I went I went through a full bottle of Neosporin like every day on on like the side of my body. It was crazy. Oh, Catalyst, wow. do you still skate, man? I, the other day, I I realized I could still land a kickflip. I was pretty stoked about that. Fuck yeah, dude, that's awesome. So can I still skate? I keep a skateboard with me in case I ever see a cool skate spot because I still have that mentality when I'm driving around and I just look at places, I'm like, Oh, that's a skate spot. Like, Oh, that's a cool place to skate. So I do keep my skateboard with me for those moments. However, I don't go hard. Like I used to, you know, like, um, I'll other... still like Ollie off a fucking picnic table. The other uh... night, the other but night, that's about as hard as I go. <laughs> man, Ollie and off a picnic table, uh, our age. Well, I'm, I'm older than you, obviously, but still, man, that, that takes some balls to do still. I definitely would not teenagers. Ollie off a picnic table yeah. at this point. <laughs> the no other fucking night, way, dude. The other night, not the other night, it was about a month ago. Uh, there was a party at my house and they poured a bunch of uh, gasoline on the road I don't know what design they made on the road and they lit it on fire and then they filmed me do a kickflip over the fire. So I still, you know, kickflips, I mean, that's like getting on a bike. It's muscle memory. Um, yeah, I'm a lot fatter though. So it took me, it took me several tries. And then I was like, holy shit, I landed one. <laughs> well, out of breath and sweating. <laughs> you, I, I was pretty drunk. So it, the first one was not landed. Let's just say that. But uh, <laughs> but it's it's muscle memory, man. And like some of those old, like really difficult tricks. Like I'm not gonna do a 360 flip to a fucking like K grind or anything like that. But like I'll, I'll get on my board and roll around like I'm a 43 year old, you know. And if I if I get a wild hair up my ass and I see some kids that aren't as good as me, which is very rare because these kids are incredible. It's like Tony Hawk pro skater video game somehow was instilled into a physical form in these kids, which is just I I, it, you know, I saw a video of like a nine year old girl dropping into like a hundred foot ramp recently with Tony Hawk blew my fucking mind. Dude, well, these kids are fucking so good. It's changed so much. Like, if you watch old, crazy, like, pros back in the 90s, and then you watch one now, like, it's still, I mean, they're impressive as fuck from the 90s, but, like, the shit that's possible now, because, like, those kids grew up watching that shit from the 90s. You know what I well, mean? Well, the, the big one for us in the late 90s, it was, like, Tony Hawk jumping out of the fucking helicopter, right? That was, like, that legendary. Was, that, that wasn't Tony Hawk. That was... um that was not Tony Hawk, uh, and his name is escaping me at the moment. But no, that wasn't Tony Hawk. Well, uh, whatever. The 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 fucking dude jumped in out of the the helicopter in the nineties. But I'm saying like like that was twenty years ago, right? Thirty years ago. So now right, the new what, shit is way more extreme than this. Okay, so that's go big or go home, and we could have done that back in the day. What I'm talking about now is the technical shit that these kids are doing is yes. incredible because they'll do like. A fucking varial heel flip to a fucking kick flip under flip before the board even fucking lands on the ground. 
it's just like these combinations that they're putting together with each other is like when I was, when I was skating, everybody thought I was dope because I could do a kickflip and land in a manual or a nose manual. And then I could do like a shove it or a heel flip out of it. Now these kids are, these kids is like before they even land, they've done three tricks. And, and I'm just like, what the fuck? I, I just cannot comprehend it. So it was Danny Way who did Danny that. Way. Yes, Danny Way. DC I'm trying to remember who the fuck that was. There was this crazy, insane technical skater. Uh, who Rodney Mullen. Be, Rodney Mullen. I was going to say Jesus Rodney Mullen too, yeah. Christ, dude. Yeah, watching him, he was the most technical son of a bitch I'd ever seen. And the fucking, uh, uh, the runs he would go on. It would go on for like 25 minutes, dude. Did you see? Do you remember Rodney Mullen versus Daywon Song? Yes. Oh, yeah. That I was my, my favorite video yeah. for sure. I fucking own that fucking DVD. It's fucking fantastic. Actually, I bought it at Zoomies like round two 25 is, years ago. Round two is like way that. better than round one. But I will say, Rodney Mullen invented the kickflip. He invented the kickflip. You can't fuck with that. Like Day one song is like fucking said, fantastic. He was a fucking killer. But Rodney, you can't be Rodney Mullen. No, dude. Rodney Mullen, he, he is like the equivalency of when you put shoes on your feet and, and you can run faster, right? Like when he puts a skateboard underneath his feet, it's just that comfortable. It's just another, it's like another ligament to him. It's another limb. And he can just fucking use it in ways that is just incomprehensible. The guy is fucking incredible. Like I said, he invented the click kick flip. He invented the varial flip. He invented the 360 flip. He every single flip trick that you can think of, he's already done it. And then he you can see old videos of him in like the early 90s, maybe even 80s in Japan. And like like when he had like goofy fucking really high shorts and shit. And like like he's been fucking doing it forever, dude. That guy is insanely talented. Well, he was doing it back when Zephyr was a thing, right? So when all when Tony Hawk and all these kids were coming up before there was even a birdhouse, he he already had these moves. And so he was going to these competitions and his dad wasn't really on board with it. And so the only thing that he had to skate was in his driveway and in his garage, which was just flat ground. And so he just invented all these fucking tricks. And then when he would go to these competitions and he's, he's skating against people like uh, everybody that's on uh, Peralta or actually he was skating against Powell Peralta or what was, what was, it's not Powell Peralta, but what was Peralta's first name? Anyways, he was skating against those originators. I think it is. I think it is. Okay. I, I think it was a girl name. It was like Jamie Peralta. Or yeah, sorry, Tony go Peralta. ahead. But but uh, when he came onto the scene, he he would come out there to these competitions and he would just do these flip tricks on this flat ground. And then everybody would like not know what to think. He wouldn't even win the competitions because they were like, Stacy, we don't know. How to, we don't uh, Stacy, Stacy Peralta. Yes. They were like, we don't even know how to fucking uh, grade these because nobody's doing this shit. And then he would just leave. And. And then his his soul was so much into skateboarding that he kept coming back to it. And then finally, skateboarding caught up to him. 
So, anyways, that is yeah, dude, that's fucking wild. We end up talking about skateboarding. the fact that he's not a household name, but we're Tony Hawk to, is. We're supposed to be talking about... Yeah, <laughs> he should no, be I, the I, fucking I, household name instead of fucking Tony Hawk. But oh, he should be the household yeah. name. But you know, uh, but uh, vert skating and street skating is to- two totally different. Um, it's like black and white. It's oranges and apples. It's totally different. And so you know. Tony Hawk dominated the Volt, uh, the Vert game for so long. I mean, 900, the first one to do the full loop, everything. Tony Hawk is definitely the best innovator when it comes to Vert skating, and I won't take that away from him at all. But he can't, he can't fuck with even like the mediocre street skaters. Yeah, for real, for real. I mean, I I was always a street skater. I was a street. Uh, like urchin i was a little fucking poor kid that like we were on food stamps like that was a, that was the name of our fucking first uh skate team was oh man what the fuck it was welfare kids is what we called ourselves <laughs> we, we'd go run around and like cause problems and fucking it was more of like a kids. gang than a skater i mean it kind of was dude we were fucking <laughs> little dickheads oh man skate team destruction is what we called ourselves std and then, like our little unit was the welfare kids. STD, yeah. I love, I love the acronym. <laughs> Yo, what do you rep? I represent STD, bitch. <laughs> There's still videos of me as a young kid, like we were trying to imitate like Bam Margera, like CKY, and like I was, I fell asleep, and they fucking shaved STD into my leg and shit because I was all passed out from being drunk, and you know, just wild fucking dumb videos, dude. See, that's funny. So I was in multimedia classes all through high school. And so we were always looking for content to get grades on so we could make a project. And we went to skateboarding and I was doing CKY shit with my friends before we knew about CKY. There was no internet back then when my internet was like you would uh, throw a CD in that you got in the mail and then you would have to hear like that was that was we had dial-up internet right so it wasn't like we were watching all these crazy and, and two feet of snow both ways too well dude i mean i think it was literal vhs tapes of cky we were fucking like it wasn't internet day so we were pretty goddamn young yeah it we was fucking... vhs it wasn't even <laughs> dvd bro it wasn't even uh-huh. fucking dvd it was it was absolutely vhs what a fucking fantastic way to do a right white rabbit because I'm always talking about the craziest fucking conspiracies and maybe people can relate to this a lot better because this is awesome. It, this has been, it's been great, man. We've been talking about some blue pill shit, like some real shit. Well, and I remember too, even before CKY, there was what like buzzkill uh, on MTV that was a little bit uh, before all that too. Well, do you remember big brother magazine? Uh, I don't, I don't think so. No. So big, it, Bro- it was a, it was a skate magazine like Thrasher. It was a skate magazine, and then Larry Flint ended up buying it out because it was so perverted. It was just like it, – it was exploiting everything that our that the skater generation was about. It was about, uh, it was about fucking drinking until you throw up, uh, being a fucking public nuisance as much as you could be. You know, you were going to places to skateboard purposely to get kicked out purposely because you knew there was going to be security guards there and they were going to fuck with you that's kind of true though that's kind of true 
Yeah. And you would get good footage, right? So schools, we would... schools was like one of the best ones. Oh man, schools. They would always have somebody you can't skate here. Like fuck. There's you. so many, so many stairs and railings, and just it was like uh, you know, like if you didn't have a skate park, at school is the next best thing always. And we didn't have skate parks back then, man. I I know now that the town that I grew up in has a dope ass skate park. I would have loved to have a skate park. No, I got kicked out of like uh every like the pizza plus parking lot like i would skate anywhere that i could where there was just open place where i could skate and there was like some curbs and shit where i could do shit and you know like back then it was we just made skate parks out of wherever we were we just made a skate park and nowadays it's like you go into a town and you grab your iphone and you're like where's the skate park at and they're just built for that yeah, so dude, I, I live in a little tiny podunk town, and we have a little fucking skate park. It's right down the corner, it's right down the fucking road, and it's actually pretty sweet. Yeah, dude, and and we, I would have loved to have that when I was growing up, man. We were getting kicked out of the Elks Lodge and shit because they had cool stairs we could fucking do shit on. <laughs> oh, yeah. Churches, man. We used to go behind churches and go find loading docks. Like that was kind of the most ducks. fun though, man. Some sometimes like running and having to hide from the security guys or like Hell find yeah. like find Call a place to smoke a bowl real like, quick. I mean pass him and push him and then fucking run. <laughs> and, like, oh dude. Guys, got, so I, I grew up in a very small town, Murphy's, California. And um we would get so bored at night, like we would just go out and it was a small, small ass town, but we had two popping ass bars. Uh, pretty close to each other there is the murphy's hotel which is very famous it's, it's been on multiple tv shows and then um down the street we had the nugget which is another bar and so what we would do is we would go behind these businesses and we would grab all of their boxes that they had thrown out from their shipments and shit and then we would line the streets with the boxes and then we would get on the roof of these buildings and on the main street and we would just sit there and watch what the cars would do while they would fucking pull up to these fucking boxes and shit. <laughs> oh man. I have so many stories from that shit, dude, because so many fucking bachelorette parties happened at the fucking Murphy's hotel and being a teenager. And there was a little Creek in a park right across the street from the Murphy's hotel. And so we would we would be watching these girls get drunk and flash cars as they're driving down the street and shit. And then they would go down to the creek and they would skinny dip and like fucking 14, 15, 16 years old. That is the greatest fucking moment of your life, right? Like Sandlot. <laughs> and I remember me and my friend Mark Converse and we were watching all the shit going on for the first time. And it was our first bachelorette party where we were sitting on the roof of the ice cream store and we were throwing rocks at the security guard that sat in front of the Murphy's hotel just so he would be like, what the fuck is going on? Like we were just fucking, we were bored, man. We would just fuck with, we would run from cops for no reason. We would just like oh, stand there and see a cop coming. You know how many times I would moon would a fucking run. cop as a kid? I would just fucking show my ass and then they would stop and we'd start running. Like that was the fucking funnest thing to do. Right. <laughs> Just to see if they would chase you. And they'd be like, why are you chasing me? Why are you running? <laughs> why don't we do that anymore? It sounds so fun. <laughs> because now they'll shoot you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Our kids are never going to have the same fucking upbringing that we did. They're never going to play ding dong ditch, dude. Everybody's got a fucking ring camera. 
I know, uh, dude. Dude. I even have one. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, feeding the beast. Well, this is fun, man. This was not necessarily a white rabbit down the rabbit hole. Let's get into some conspiracy shit but this was like entertaining as shit man you guys are cool as fuck and you are welcome on white rabbit any other time you want to come on here uh please plug your shit let's get out of here all right thomas you want to start it out yeah i'll start it out i mean reality czars with uh nate we do pretty occasional shows i don't know if we have a, a specific schedule uh but then you can also check all of my stuff out at paranoidamerican.com and this one's actually fresh off the presses i've been talking oh, about this yeah. one for a while uh, I just picked up a few thousand of these bad boys. This is the homunculus owner's manual. It's 40 pages that breaks down the entire background of what a homunculus is, um, what you can do with a homunculus, all the different historical records of it. This one I made in, in collaboration with uh, the, the last living known homunculologist, which is Juan Ayala from the one on one podcast. I was going to ask can... if he had anything to do with that. Yeah, no, that's that's him. Yeah, he gets he gets the shout out on the title page. So this was a collaboration between me and him. So that's the homunculus pamphlet. And that's a follow-up to my first one, which was the MK ultra paranoid pamphlet. And this one shows the whole background of MK ultra project paperclip, everything. And then uh, what I've been working on lately is a documentary about adrenochrome Freemasonry and MK ultra. So I'll be dropping that one pretty soon too. Fuck yeah, brother. We're going to live link the note or the links down below. So you guys, if you want to pick up one of those pamphlets, go ahead and scroll down, click on that link that you see right there. Do it right now while you're listening to this. Click on, click on that link and get yourself your own pamphlet. These things are dope. If you're not watching the video, you're doing yourself a disservice. Look, yeah, I'll throw some extra stickers in too for anyone that, that gets them tonight. I'll throw a whole bunch of extra shit in. Fuck yeah, brother. Fuck yeah. At Reality Czars, you can also follow. Uh, we have our own little project that we're working on as far as like ghost hunting and Bigfoot searches and all kinds of fun shit. We're called the Anomaly Hunters, so you can follow us on YouTube. That's our clean page. And so far, uh, you know, we're, we're not getting any dings because we're not talking about like, you know, Joe Biden being a pedophile or anything. So <laughs> this one's strictly is strictly like cryptids and just like fucking weird phenomena. So you can you can also check out that one, Anomaly Hunters. Uh, and then, yeah, we do the reality czars. You can watch us on Rockfin if you want to see our pretty faces. Uh, you can also listen to us on Spotify or whatever. We're now I think we're on Rumble now, too. I just started uploading to Rumble. Uh, and I think we have like maybe like five followers. So go follow us on Rumble. That'd be cool. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. If you like it, cool. If you don't, whatever. Uh, our our email, if you want to send us hate mail or you want to say what's up, is realitystars at gmail.com. If you live within like an hour of Portland, I'll come and grab a beer with you. I always say that to any of my listeners and uh, they take me up on it. So that's fun nice and it's only gotten inappropriate ones one time i got it it felt uncomfortable got a little handsy (laughs) got a little handsy yeah well at least you're not in san francisco so (laughs) (laughs) guys go down scroll down right now go check out those live links check out these guys because they're fucking incredible i wouldn't have them on my show if they weren't incredible speaking of if they're not incredible i wouldn't talk about them so As you guys know, I don't talk about sponsors. I'm like, fuck all sponsors. I don't want any. You guys know that Mikey Pillows from fucking uh, 
the pillow gang tried to sponsor me and I was like, eh, it's cool. They gave me a promo and everything. I never once mentioned it. Fuck all that shit. I don't want sponsors. However, I do totally believe in this company. It is pure pet wellness. And the guy has his own podcast. It's called the Conspiracies. Go check that out. And I wouldn't support these guys if I didn't think they had a dope product and the CBD, not only the CBD helps the dog, but you could use it yourself. So this is the first time that I mentioned this, go ahead, go to purepetwellness.com. And if you enter promo code rabbit, you will get 20% off. You guys know, I wouldn't tell you this if I didn't fucking uh, back their product. So that being said, everybody keep digging down those rabbit holes. You know how I'm going to leave this with you. Let's fucking go. I would never bend my knee to Satan. I would never sell myself with no paper. You can go ahead and call me a hater, but I'll go ahead and call you a traitor. Hey, Hollywood is getting canceled. I put God over financials. Just know that I never kill myself if they try to use me as a damn example. Hey, first Lil Nas, now Sam Smith. Satan coming for the damn kids. These rappers and singers are puppets. The second the label give them their advances, God is forgiven. We were all made in His image. That's why He told me to remix this. Every nation demoralization while we celebrating when people are sinning. Don't care if you trans. Nah, oh, you a man who in love with a man But if you're gonna cover your nipples with tassels And leave the kids alone and just do OnlyFans I just can't stand all the lies of the media Pushing these kids, they ain't standing a chance Hollywood pushes agendas with all of these artists I swear that they industry's plans All of these fallacies that they're preaching this way That there's no more objective reality Go ahead, laugh at me But I think that you worship and saying is more of a tragedy They sold out our nation for more dough That's why I don't watch award shows Celebrity puppets, we're living in luxury All of our business will force close Allah Jehovah Hashem Yahweh, you can call him whatever you do, but worshiping Satan with the purpose of angering God, well that's just gonna make you a fool.